For those who are visiting with us, we are doing the second part of our study from Colossians 3, and although we're taking Luke as the text for the morning, it is because we're dealing with a subject that Colossians introduces to us, and that is how to live forgiving one another as we relate to one another. Myron Augsburger, the great Mennonite theologian, was asked, how do you define marriage? And he said, I define marriage by two sinners who live together learning to forgive each other. (laughs) Forgiveness is not an easy thing. I want to suggest to you that I struggled this past week in preparing God's Word because I know that when you speak of forgiveness, you are touching the nerves of people who have experienced hurts that can be deep. Nevertheless, God's Word approaches the subject not only as a reality, but one that can be faced even for those who have been so experienced. And you'll see this in a moment. Gary Inrig, in his book, Forgiveness, writes this. It is impossible to exaggerate the importance of the subject of forgiveness to the Christian faith. Forgiveness of sins through the grace of God and the finished work of Jesus Christ lies at the very heart of the gospel. The wonder of God's forgiveness in Christ should grip the heart of every Christ follower. We have been forgiven at an enormous cost, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Listen to what he says. The place to begin to understand true forgiveness then is with a careful consideration of God's glorious forgiveness. The place to truly begin dealing with forgiveness is to begin with God's forgiveness. Max Lucado writes a book called In the Grip of Grace. And I, he said this, and I think this is so true. That when God forgives, He doesn't lower His standards. When God forgives, He doesn't ignore our rebellion. When God forgives, He does not relax His standard. Rather, when God forgives, He assumes our sins and incredibly, yes, incredibly, He sentences himself to pay for them. Wow. When God forgives, he sentences himself because this is what forgiveness does. I want to share from Luke this morning what is going on here in the scene that was read to us by Steve and Morgan. And as you look at Luke chapter 7, the first few verses, I titled the first few verses, The Preparations for Forgiveness. Remember, this is talking about Christian forgiveness now. 
Because we have a precedent that has been set for us. And, and we, God demands that we forgive because God has done something to make it possible for us to forgive. We just don't forgive out of the blue. We forgive because something has happened that we understand the brokenness and the fallenness of the world in which we live. And we do so not by putting our heads in the sand, as it were, but we do so because we have lifted our eyes to Calvary and we have seen something that could not be seen any other place. Please let me read in the introduction how we prepare ourselves to forgive. And my first point is that we prepare ourselves to forgive by experiencing forgiveness. We must experience forgiveness in order to forgive. Let me read Colossians chapter 3 just briefly. And verse 15. Do you listen to these words? You don't need to turn there. But just listen to, to, to it as I read. Colossians 3.15. Listen to these words. Paul speaks to the Colossian church. Verse 13, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you should forgive also. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of the unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you with all wisdom. Let it teach you certain things. Let this take place. Why? 2.15. This is why we can. 2.15 reads thus. Perhaps 14 and 15. Having canceled out, having canceled out, remove the debt that we owe God. The certificate of debt consisting in degrees against us, which was hostile to us. We lived with a sense of guilt, a sense of remorse. Listen now. He has taken it out of the way. All that we, all our offenses to God has been taken out of the way, nailing them to the cross. He nailed every sin that every, any Christian has ever committed. The cross of Jesus Christ answers to God's ability to forgive. And so in the light of that, he said, now you forgive as you have been forgiven. And this is what I want to talk about. The experience forgiveness must precede the ability to forgive. We can say it's okay. You know, I, I like to tell you about my dear mother. And, 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 and mom, when I did anything... And, and I was her pain, believe me. I'm not just saying that. I was my mother's pain. 
and, and she would correct me the, the, the American way. You know what the American way is? She gives the stripes and I see the stars. That's, that's the American way of correcting. And, and, and mom would give me a licking, and she did. I was telling my grandson the other day, I got my last licking when I was 16 by a little lady that, that high. But the thing that I never understood is that when my mother gave me the licking I deserved for the crime I had committed, I had to, I had to crawl to make up to her. And I had to go through a process. I was never accepted immediately after she had corrected me. And not until she called me a really nice pet name did I know it's okay now between you and mom. My, my family has been trying to find out what that pet name is. I will not tell them. I will not tell them. I'll go to my grave with that, that pet name. Yeah, even this family. Yeah, that's right. Listen. This lady's reputation had preceded her. She was called a sinner. And somewhere before the, the banquet to which she entered, she had come to the place where she had experienced God's forgiveness. This is seen in so many ways because this woman... Tradition has it that she was a prostitute. We're not too sure that that was the case, but she had a reputation of what she used to do. And somehow she had encountered the release of her sins. And when she heard that Jesus was in this home, decided to go there to express her gratitude to him. She was willing to go before men who knew her reputation for Simon said, if Jesus knew who this woman was, that she was a sinner, that was her reputation. Simon didn't know that this lady had received forgiveness. She was held in contempt by this man. But she was released. Her sins were forgiven. She was set free. She could go to bed at night and she was not plagued with guilt feelings. She did not go to bed with a sense of remorse. She was set free. She could sing long before Martin Luther said it, free at last, free at last. Thank God in heaven, I'm free at last because she knew that's where she was about to go to heaven We'll see more of this in a minute. Studying the text, then it appears that prior to dealing with what she was about to deal with, she was forgiven. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is defined as the removal of guilt by sending the offense by the offender, sending the offense away. Sending the offense where it could not be retrieved again. In other words, my friends, forgiveness is a costly business. 
And when people talk about forgiveness glibly, they have no idea. Nobody forgives easily. If you forgive, it is because you have sentenced yourself to take the offense that has been omitted, uh, done by someone else, and you have said, I'll pay the price and release them. We'll get to some more of that in a minute. So you must experience forgiveness before you can forgive. The real, total forgiveness that we are going to be talking about in the next several weeks. Secondly, not only the experience of forgiveness, but you must be able to enjoy your forgiveness. To enjoy your forgiveness. There are two things that show this lady in verses 37 and 38 where she's enjoying her forgiveness. Number one, she was freed of guilt and grief. Verse 37. Look, look at her. She's weeping. Weeping, my friends, is here is a sign of, of almost not remorse. But what it is, it is a sense of feeling deeply the sense of having failed. Because that's what sin is. Sin is failing. It's a miss the mark. It is, it is, it is to mess up one's life. And, and, and when she realized what Jesus had done for her, these were tears of joy and gratitude. She was experiencing it. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of us, even as Christians, experience the forgiveness, but we don't enjoy it. We struggle because we think, you said, like my mother, because I had to, my, my mother loved me. My sister and I were talking on the phone Kathy and I, we, we, we chat and we reminisce of our lives. And she, somehow we got to this and she said, Winston, I was talking to somebody and I said to them, if my mother were alive today with the rules and the laws correcting us as she did then, we would have to visit her in prison. <laughs> That's what my sister said. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not lying when I say she was a, quite a lady. You know, so. So I don't doubt my mother's love. But somehow, even after I was, was corrected, I still felt I owed her something. My friends, this woman was enjoying her forgiveness because all her sins were taken care of by Christ on the cross. And sometimes we take that to God. We, we tend to feel, oh yeah, I know that Jesus died for me, but there's no conjunction, my friends, after Christ died for your sins. We, we, we must learn to enjoy God's forgiveness because when we begin to know the joy of a forgiven life, it is when we begin the ability to share forgiveness with others. If we still carry some sense of it, we'll never be able to. And this woman was going to face a hostile group of men and she couldn't care less because she was free. She was free. But I want you to see what I call the paradox of forgiveness. Right in the middle of that, there's a paradox here. Something that is hard to, to fully grasp. 39 to 50. Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. 
And the Pharisees said, something is wrong with this picture. I can't, I can't see how God, how Christ, could let a woman like that touch him. Let me suggest to you something, friends. That one of the things that self-righteous people will do again and again is that they judge the actions of God by what they would do or what they would not do. If I were God, <laughs> you know what? You know when you look at something like, and you say, if I were God, someone asked me that question. If you were God, what would you do? And I said, that's the easiest question to answer. Because if I were God, I'd do what God does. I couldn't do anything else if I were God. What, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're putting ourselves in a position where we can contest God for his actions compared to how we would handle the situation. And so he said, if he knew, he looked at Jesus, and listen, he was judging the knowledge of the God who knows everything. What a challenge. <laughs> if he knew, there isn't anything that God does not know. Matthew chapter 9 verse 4 says that Jesus knows what is in the hearts of men. John chapter 2, he didn't, he didn't need anyone to tell him because he knew the hearts. That, that frightens me sometimes. He knows what is in our hearts. And to question his, his ability to forgive because you wouldn't forgive that person? Let me tell you, that's a very dangerous thing. He questions the character of God, of Christ. The character. And this, this can be seen more in, in Luke chapter 15. You remember the prodigal son that stayed home? There's one who went and squandered everything his father had. But the one who stayed home was so self-righteous that he said, I don't see how you can forgive that son of yours. Didn't even call him his brother. He didn't even call his father his father. He said, I don't see how you could forgive this, this son of yours. <laughs> that, that, my friends, you see, self-righteous people believe this. That when God makes a decision, they have to second the motion. To be able to take God at his word. And to accept what God gives. My friends, I, I, I tell you, let me just read something to you. L listen to this. This is a Christian writing. You know what disturbs me most about Jeffrey Dahmer? Dahmer? What disturbs me most are not his acts, though they are disgusting. He was convicted of 17 murders, 11 corpses were found in his apartment. He cut off the arms. He ate the bodies. My thesaurus has 204 different synonyms for the word vile, and he fits every one of them. I'll jump over certain things. Can I tell you what troubles me most about God's, about Jeffrey? 
while he was in prison, he repented of his sins and he was a free man in his conscience because God had forgiven him. Listen to what Max Lucado writes. His sins was washed, his sins were washed, his sins were cleansed, his past for, forgiven. That troubles me. It shouldn't, but it does. Grace is cannibal. Maybe you have the same reservations. What if that was somebody that you knew, somebody related to you? Here's this godly man. And he's saying that God could forgive someone like that. I don't see, I haven't committed that kind of, I could understand how God forgives me. After all, I haven't done the things as bad as he did. My friends, the mistake we make is that we judge sins by its quantity. God judges sins by its quality. We see sin as how many things I do or don't do. Please listen to me carefully. The Bible doesn't say you're a sinner because you sin. The Bible says you sin because you're a sinner. The relationship has been broken down. Listen to what the scripture says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not only those who have done little things here, a little things there. All have sinned. So that there's a Barabbas who's a murderer who is trying to overthrow the government. And Jesus died in his place that day because Barabbas was supposed to be killed and there was a, there was a, there was a, a custom in Jerusalem under the Roman law that someone was to be released that day instead of somebody else. And where Barabbas was in prison waiting for the judgment to fall on him, the judgment fell on Jesus Christ. Friends, my judgment, your judgment, fell on him that day. There is nothing, please listen. You know, when I was a young child, I, I used to think two things. I used to think that a murderer could never be loved by God. I don't know where I got that from. But I used to think that. The, 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 the thing that was close to that was adultery. I don't know where I got it from, but that was in, and I was not a believer at that time. And then I began to read my Bible, and God forgave both adulterer and murderer. Oh, dear friends, can you see it this morning? There is no sin that a person can commit that the blood of Jesus Christ does not suffice the righteous judgment of God. That's a paradox. Here, here, is, here, is, here is this woman being forgiven and at the same time 
these men are going through all these things in their minds and, and wondering what's happening. How, how can this be? And sometimes people will see you. I think I, uh, Dr. Vernon McGee said at this time, he said, I know that when you get to heaven, there'll be a lot of people who are surprised to see you there. That will happen. You <laughs> can't believe it. My friends, there will be people there that we thought shouldn't be there now because if we're there and they're there, that's where they belong. And some of the worst people who repented, who trusted the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive their sins, God forgave set them free. Let me quickly go to this woman, not only the paradox of judging, but living the forgiveness. See, the experiencing, I'll show you how it lives, 47 to 50. Jesus said to the woman, your sins, which are many, <laughs> he knew every one of them, they are forgiven just as Colossians chapter 2, verse 15 says to us, look at what he says. Go in peace. Go in peace. That little word go in the Greek is a word that speaks of someone being sent in a special way with a mission to, to, to exercise to others that which has been exercised to him or her. This is why when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we say, forgive us our trespasses, how? As we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Now, I, there, there's much more to be said with this, but this is where we begin. As I read books and so on on this topic, one of the big questions is, what if the person doesn't want to forgive me? We'll deal with all those when the time comes, but this is what we have to deal with with now. Go. What Jesus was saying to this woman, just as he gave in the parable that was read to us this morning, you owed much. and God forgave you much. Continue to go with that spirit to forgive others as you have been forgiven. And so I close with a true story. Listen to this. My father died when I was eight months old, and my mother remarried just after my, father, my third birthday. My stepfather was at first aloof. As I grew older, I saw him to be obsessive and controlling. When I was about 20, my stepfather called me one day in a real temper over a trivial task I had not done to his satisfaction. He completely lost control of himself and punched me in the face, breaking my nose and laying me there unconscious. The day feared turned to hate. That day, I'm sorry, that day fear turned to hate. I grew stronger. The day drew inevitably nearer 
when some incident would spark an argument between us and I would take my revenge. Thankfully, I found Christ in the middle of my teen years and became a disciple of Jesus Christ. One of the first things he did was to overwhelm me with his love, unconditional acceptance and forgiveness. One of the first things God asked me, almost as evident of my changed heart, was to give up my bitterness toward my stepfather. Although his behavior had become increasingly irrational and marriage to my mother failed, in the light of the forgiveness I had received, this, listen to this, in the light of the forgiveness I had received, this was easy. As an adult, I continued to send Christmas cards and basic family news even long after I had moved away. I never had a return from my father. Two summers ago, I was contacted by the hospital when my stepfather had been admitted following a stroke. I arranged to visit and found a dejected little old man. At our first meeting, he cried and said he was sorry for the way he had treated me as I grew up. I was finally able to tell him how I had been able to forgive him because Jesus had forgiven me. To forgive, we must experience forgiveness. And we must live in the spirit of forgiving so that when we are approached to do anything that might be contrary to that, we do not begin with the offense. We begin with the God who has forgiven us so that we can pray, forgive us as we have forgive others. While I had lived in freedom down the years, the guilt of his actions had obviously been gnawing away at me. I was finally set free. Forgiveness, friends. It hurts. But can you imagine a holy and righteous God who has to forgive people who spit in his face, who covers the face of his son and hit him in the head and ask who hit you? And the first word from the cross was, Father, forgive them. When we live that kind of a life, friends, people will believe that Christianity is a real, real religion that they can trust because they will see in you what is true in God. Let us pray. Father, oh God, you know how I have toiled over this message this week because I don't want to talk cheaply of forgiveness, to simply say you should forgive. But that, Father, when the word forgiveness is used, we always begin with us being forgiven by God. This is how we will be able to deal 
with the trespass and the sins of others. And Lord, I know that this word is not yet completed. There is much more to be said. But this is where I begin. I see the Bible beginning. And this is where I want to begin. So help us in the next moment to think through what we have heard to be able to see if we are still in prison and that the one way to be set free is to go in peace. The peace of God because everything is okay between me and God. I pray that the Holy Spirit will finish the work he has started this morning and in the days to come may there be people in this congregation who will be set free because God has liberated them in their spirits to go in peace to give to others what we have received in Jesus name Amen